Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today is March 24th, 2022. I'm a little early. (laughs) If I recorded this tomorrow, which I don't know if I'd have the time, maybe, maybe not, who knows. If I recorded this tomorrow, it would be exactly one month since Elden Ring released. Unless I'm doing my math wrong. But I believed it released February 25th. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, I bought the game when it first came out. I was hyped for it from the start, right? Um, I'm a big From Software fan. So, hype was pretty big for me. I didn't know what I was getting into. And I knew that open worlds can break a game when it's its first time doing it. I don't think Halo Infinite's campaign did better in an open world environment. It's not bad, it just didn't do anything extra, so it didn't need to be, in my opinion. So I wasn't sure, because I thought the open level is better and more conducive in general. I loved the way From Software does open levels, so they're so big, it's almost like an open world, but it really isn't, so it's not overwhelming and isn't boring, right? Um, Jedi Fallen Order follows that same uh, system and, and a handful of other games. I like that. I think it's a happy medium. It allows it, it allows you to take on something in multiple ways. It gives little exploration and choice. But it doesn't just throw you in a world where the story or the consistency or the general flow of things can be completely halted. Because in most open world games, the filler is the traversal, and it drives me nuts. I know they intentionally make you move in a certain way or reduce your, your ability to move between the world quickly for the pure sake of filler. It feels like that. So I was worried and I was skeptical when I, when I heard From Software was doing open world. But I was hopeful. I know that they, when they commit to something, they don't fuck around. They're putting everything on the table and they know what they're doing, right? There is a professionalism and expertise and an artistry to the craft of what From Software as a developer does for their games. And they put forth the energy and effort and they don't give a fuck how long it takes either. Of course they probably do and Bandai Namco probably breathes down their neck every three years like, hey, you got a new game for us, bro? Because we need something. But my point is, Elden Ring's been in development for, for what I know of, an actual development development for at least, starting after Sekiro, went gold. That probably went gold in February of 2019. Then they released and did some patches and updates, so it probably wasn't until summer of 2019 when they started production in terms of full-scale design development and reallocating most of their assets to building and making Elden Ring. When you look at the scale of that game, the complexity and the incredible design and everything that went into it, it is is quite incredible that they released a masterpiece, a game of the year masterpiece, Sekiro, in March of 2019. And then they turned around and by February 2022, they had another masterpiece that will probably be game of the year. That's a pretty quick turnaround time. Cyberpunk took eight years and it still fell on its face. So, but they don't, 
it doesn't matter the time. What I'm getting at is they don't work expeditiously for the sake of putting out a, a product. They work for the time it takes to make the game as good as they can make it. That's what I appreciate about them, and I hope that never leaves them. And I hope every time they have a creative idea, an ambition, or something they want to try, they're given the resources, the time, and the energy to do so, and they're not pressured to do anything other than that. And I, and I think this is the testament of that. So, if you're curious on my initial thoughts and what it was like when I was first playing it, I was... In my initial review that I posted like three days after it released, I was just binge playing it. I was about eight to ten hours in when I first did, started my podcast. And then, you know, I had to take breaks and continue the podcast. The podcast took three days to get through. And then by the third day, I was like like almost 15 hours in. I might have rounded up. I could be wrong, but it was around that time. I'm now 90 hours into the game. I know, it's only been a month. Don't get on me about it. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm being responsible. Still making music. I have my new album on the way, and I've got a film I'm making, and I'm really excited for. Uh, I'm being responsible. But anyway, um, so I've been playing it a lot. Right then and there, I could tell this is probably going to be my game of the year, unless somehow later in the game they fuck it up dramatically, which I don't see how they could do. Usually it's... The start of the game, first 10 to 15 hours is the worst. And then you get into the good stuff. So. One, just so you know, this isn't an actual review. This isn't like a, oh, it's a 10 out of 10. Nah, I don't, I don't do that. It's too difficult. But. I'm thinking, actually, of a way to make a rating system. Just for podcasts. I don't have the time or energy to do YouTube videos. Otherwise, I would. Um, but a general rating system, since time is the great currency and the great way of knowing if the game is worth it, everyone puts it on a metric scale, and sometimes that metric scale works. 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10. It gives you a good idea. 100, whatever. That's fine. I could do that. But in my mind, nothing's a 10 out of 10. Nothing's perfect. There's no such thing, which is why I like IGN. They call it a masterpiece. They're not saying it's perfection. They point out its flaws, but a 10 out of 10, they're saying this is a masterpiece, and it is. So for that merit, yeah, it is a 10 out of 10. But in my personal benchmark, I was thinking about this yesterday. If I were to rate games, I'm not saying I'm going to, but if I were, I might rate them on how many hours I genuinely log into it because I want to play it. Not because I feel like I need to get through it or just understand it, at least. So, as I've told you before, the way I get a general idea of the gameplay loop, some of the expanded content, and some of the intricacies or storyline or something, is at least 10 to 20 hours, give or take. 10 hours for a more linear, shorter, single-player game or a multiplayer game with that's arena-style, right? Um... That gives me enough time to unlock enough of its content, to get an idea of the gameplay loop, to get an idea of the different variety of modes. So I just have a general idea and a smattering of what I do. And then I go into the modes I like or play consistently. And for single-player games, probably 20, 30 hours because of the story, because of the if it's open world, if it's open level, there's just more to it. That's usually how I like to think about it. 
so I usually don't want to do an initial thoughts on something until I at least have enough time because I am often speaking out of my ass and saying stuff I'm like, well, I wish they had this. And I, I'm only ever wondering how many people are listening to me like, they do, you fucking idiot. Just keep playing for another hour and you'll get there. You know what I mean? So I'm never sure. I'm never sure. But what I will say is I'm now 90 hours in. I haven't beaten it. I'm not remotely fucking close, which is insane. Now, mind you, I, I like to explore. I am not beelining the main story. I'm not just going to every main boss. There are more encounters where I have accidentally stumbled into a region and I'm like, oh, shit. You know, or I fought a boss that I didn't know existed. There's more of that than there is me going to a certain area to get or find or to do something. And that's where this game shines. Now, I'm going to try to not repeat or reiterate what I said in the first podcast episode of my initial thoughts. I'm going to try to keep this semi-brief. Briefer than my video game industry decline three and a half hour episode. <laughs> Shouldn't be too difficult to keep that, to keep it more brief than that. But if you're just listening to this first segment, first off, thank you. And I appreciate all the support. And beyond that, this game is incredible. It is one of my favorite games of the year, if not probably one of my favorite and most memorable games in a long time. From its gameplay mechanics, its precision and generally good balance, though some of the bosses are a little wonky, um, generally good balance and flow of movement in terms of locking on camera and attacking in combat, different movesets, spells, the intricacies of its combat, but the simplicity of its execution is beautiful. And it's a culmination of Dark Souls and Sekiro and all their games before. It's a perfect blend of them in terms of combat. Its RPG mechanics are out of this world. But here's the thing. that's not too... It's, it's very in-depth and it's somewhat complicated, especially some of the items and shit but for the most part the way they balance this game and making it so if you don't give a fuck about the rpg and you're doing the bare minimum and paying attention to it you're still having a good time and you're still not getting your ass completely handed to you though that's kind of the whole core mechanic of the game is getting your the shit kicked out of you and then finding a way to push on and proceed but but no they um they make it digestible and easy enough so you get the basics of the most important things. How to upgrade your main weapons, how to get certain items and spells and upgrade yourself, and how to upgrade your general stat pool so you're more powerful over time. And the more intricate stuff of what item and how to craft and what to fuse, all those things come in later, and that's for those who want to really sink their teeth in, and hopefully you do, and you probably will want to. So it's a perfect blend. And, and that blend carries through the entire game of the balance for making it welcoming and playable for people who are playing it very quickly, very briefly, or new to this kind of Souls experience. I guarantee you, though, it is actually probably the hardest Souls game. I know. They made the hardest Soulsborne game and no one's talking about it. Everyone's saying Sekiro is the hardest. Sekiro is extremely difficult. 
I attest to that because I beat it and it is one of my all-time favorite games. I wanted to cry. I was not smart or skilled enough to go against Madam Butterfly, whatever the fuck her name was, when I went up against her. It took me four hours one day and then two or three hours the next day. I was almost in tears. I could not handle it. Here's the thing, though. With that, I only had, like, two options. It was open level, sure, but that was the only way to progress further. Like, I had to beat her in Zekiro. I could have gone around and beat some smaller enemies and maybe a maybe a very small mini boss and to just to upgrade some stuff and I probably did. But that's it. I had to beat her. And at that point, that's when people get rid of the game. Maybe not her specifically, but my point is they hit that wall and no matter what they do, they really feel like they just need more time in the game, but backtracking feels like you're actually going back and not pushing forward sure it's open level so it allows you to approach things differently and has a quite a bit of variety it, it was a very beautiful world and it's it's an incredible game one of the most incredible it would be hard to go back and play that game after playing elden ring because with elden ring if you run into someone like that now if you're a souls player if you're stubborn or if you're an idiot like myself you might still try to kill that person when you're way too underpowered, way too underleveled, and it might take you three, four, five, or more hours. It might. And eventually you'll learn, you'll get better, you might get a little stronger, and you'll beat it. So you could do it that way, or take a break, don't get frustrated and break your controller, and you go around, not saying I did, I'm just saying don't get too frustrated, and you leave that area, maybe mark it on your map, know you're going to come back to it, go fight some smaller enemies, go fight a different boss that's just not as difficult as that one. There are many bosses, land bosses, great bosses, and story bosses, major storyline bosses, and they all scale in different complexity and difficulty. The Draconian Sentinel in front of the, what's it called, Limir's Gate, whatever, in the upper giant region. Spoilers, by the way. I'm 90 hours in, so I expect that you would have seen that coming. The Draconian Sentinel, I believe is his name. First of all, unbalanced as shit. It's probably one of the most unbalanced bosses I've ever fought in a From Software game, unfortunately. On the end of the world, just was pretty unbalanced, and you knew, like, when you're playing. Like, there's... It's nothing that you can do to overcome it. <laughs> That isn't an exploit. It doesn't, doesn't matter your armor, doesn't matter. I mean, you cannot fairly fight against this thing because it's it's broken in one of its moves. It shoots lightning, right, from the sky. It shoots two bolts of lightning in rapid succession. You could see him charging up, and you could technically dodge it, but it's very hard, and it's not one of those like, oh, you just have to time it right. No, no, no. It's very inconsistent. It's very difficult. It will change directions and patterns as you dodge roll, so it will actually have you dodge roll into it, and it kills you instantly. Now, if it stunned you and took a quarter of your health, or even took half of your health, one thing. Or if it just hit once, or if it was easier to kind of indicate, you know, those kinds of things. But no, it's not that. It's actually broken. It's unbalanced. 
and if they knew it and if they know how to fix it they probably will in future patches so it's not so unbalanced it's one of those kinds of things it's not that it's just difficult it's literally a, just a very unbalanced mechanic for that boss and beyond that boss is difficult in general just his other move sets his health pool everything else is difficult about him so that on top of it just made it damn near impossible and he's blocking off an entire new region i eventually beat him i figured it out but it was really tricky and it took me a few hours my point is i finally beat him i got into the city did some exploring got my ass handed to me got very confused that's the only region i dislike in the game so far it's not because it's not beautiful it's not because it's not interesting it's because it's very complex and it's really easy to get lost in but it's still small enough when you get lost in you're repeating your footing and you're getting it gets annoying quickly but my dumbass didn't look up and figure out how to go up I thought there were stairs or a lift. No, no, there's more to it. And once I did, I'm like, okay, this is actually cool now. Anyway, my point is, then I got to fight the first Elden Lord. He was difficult. Very difficult. Still, I would not put him as difficult as that Draconian Sentinel. Even though that Sentinel is just a Sentinel guarding the fort. I'm fighting a first Elden Lord. And he was, like I said, he's very difficult. But I got him to half health on my first attempt at him, is my point. And I was able to figure out how to beat him, even though it was challenging. So, um, that is the essence of the game. The intricacy of the combat mixed with your ability to choose where you want to go. The exploration is top-notch. There's not a game I've ever played that has better exploration mechanics. You want to go over there? Go over there. See what's up. You will fall into a new dungeon you've never seen. You will run into a new enemy type or, or mini-boss you didn't know existed. You will unlock a portion of the map. You will go underground and unlock an entire underground region you didn't know existed. Or you'll find a cool item. Not a single region of this map, of this massive map. And it's not that it's just big in scale. It is massive in scale. It is absolutely fucking huge. But it's that usually scares me when someone says that. But it's not just because of that. It's not just size. It's complexity, intricacy, and intrigue. And it's the fact that it's not... Your, your HUD is... Not, it's very minimal. It's your health bar, your rune count, and your equipped loadout. And you can, of course, minimize... You can take away the HUD and bring it back up real quick but that's it there's no quest markers there's no check boxes there's no tasks there's no waypoints there's no gps there's no beacons there's a very simple compass and you can place manual beacons that show light in the sky but that's on your that's on you and it's helpful it's a good tool you're looking at your map you're like i want to go to this region i've never seen this region and you you don't want to keep looking at your map you find it on the map you beacon ping it see that blue light and you just go in that direction you pray to God you don't fall off a cliff. My point is, though, it's all up to you. You want to go over there, you go over there. You want this and that. I do kind of wish there was some mantling, but I understand that would have been challenging. Um, this game is not just large on a singular plane, either. It is extremely vertical. The topography of this world is insane. You will die a lot from it not realizing you're on a mountain until you realize you are falling off one. massive these regions are the size of other worlds 
I mean, the scale and the, but it is intricate and interwoven in each region and they're all interlocked beautifully. So you've got dungeons, you've got structures, you've got open lands, you've got all kinds of enemy types and variants for that region. You've got mini bosses, you've got chests, you've got hidden walls and secrets all within one region. And you've got multiple regions and ways to connect. And then, of course, there's the Sites of Grace. Not only are they a save point, not only do they replenish your health and respawn all regular enemies in your area, but when you find one, it's also a fast travel point. And the fast travel is quick, and it works perfectly. You just pull up your map. If you're not in combat, which you can get away from combat pretty quickly at any point, you just pull up your map, boom, and in like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, you're there. So it still pushes you to explore it, but when you're going back and forth, then you could do that. Of course, if you want to travel and explore, you can. You want to go back, but usually once you've killed the enemies in that area, you've already explored that region, you don't really want to travel on Steed all the time, you know? So the exploration is top-notch, and it's because it's not just, oh, we make it a big map. It's not like a Ubisoft game design. Where it's a big map with nothing to do other than like three actual things to do and then everything else is fodder. Oh, follow this person. Oh, pick up this thing. Return it to this person. Skyrim suffered that too. I'm going to say it. Skyrim, it's not that they didn't have interesting quests or an incredibly interesting open world, but traversing that open world wasn't fun for me. It wasn't easy. Everything took an extra step. You go buy the horse, got to go run over the horse, da 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 Being able to immediately summon your magic steed in anywhere that isn't a certain special region where you're not allowed to or that isn't indoors is pivotal. It's a smart, smart design. They almost they could have not had that. They could have where you had to whistle and wait like in Red Dead where it was an actual horse or where if it died in combat, it's dead for a while. You have to spend something to reap. No, no, no. It dies, it goes away for a few seconds if it gets attacked. It's always a tool at your disposal to immediately summon so you can get somewhere quickly or so you can jump higher because it has a double jump that's higher, it has a health pool, and it allows mounted combat and you can pick up things instantly. Also, when you pick up something, it's instant. There's no animation unless it's like a cutscene where you're picking something up. That doesn't sound like a big deal until you're playing an open world where every time you pick something up, there's an animation or when you do something, like in Red Dead 2. Love Red Dead, but every time you pick up flowers, every time you kill something and skin it, every time you pick up ammo, almost everything you pick up other than like really light stuff, it, it shows an animation. It takes a half a second to do. It gets tiring when you have to pick up individual things for a long time. Elden Ring, you just walk around, spam it, and it's in your inventory. It knows that. It's not, they're not going to waste their time, energy, and resources animating that. It knows you know how things look when a character picks them up, and it knows that you just want to get to the actual meat of the gameplay, which is combat. They know themselves well enough to know how to balance it. From Software isn't stupid. They know they're combat-oriented, they're action RPG. They know you're coming in to kill enemies and find ways to get better at doing so. And everything points towards finding abilities and ways to do so and that's why it's an incredible game let me get more into detail on some of the intricacies in this next segment stay tuned
So the gameplay is smooth. And some of the conveniences that Elden Ring has put in place is game changer. Right? The summoning the steed, the fast traveling at any point and any time as long as you're not in combat. And the fact that the more sites of grace you find, the more you can fast travel throughout the map. And I know I emphasize this a lot in the first one. I'm going to try not to repeat myself too much, but there will be overlap, of course, in some of what I talk about. But even when you're just traversing through the world and it's a new region you haven't seen yet, so you don't have the map fragments that you got to find, which actually isn't too difficult. And when you um, don't have a fast travel point, that's sometimes when the game's at its best. When you're fighting unique enemies or finding unique places. But the unique factor is... is First off, it's not slacking. There's no cut, cut, copy, and paste. Now, you will see similar, either similar enemy types, regular fodder, minions, smaller enemies that will still kill you in two to five hits, give or take, depending on how strong you are. I said two to three. It's two to three for the first 40 hours. The next 40 hours, it's two to five, give or take, right? Main bosses, one to three. It's kind of a good rule of thumb. Two to five for any other mini uh, regular fodder enemies. And then for smaller, uh, for stronger elite enemies, you know, uh, two to four or two to three. And then for small land bosses, still probably one to three and then for main bosses one to two i've never fought a main boss that takes three hits on me to kill me so one to two so that's just kind of a rule of thumb but when you're first starting out anything can kill you in two to three hits easily anything literally a fucking pebble could kill you if you're not careful it's a play on words for those who play elden ring anyway so um but what's great about it is you learn quickly, A, you kind of just learn quickly, and B, when you get more powerful, you're more powerful in that region. However, when you find new regions, they're inherently more powerful, and it's not fun. It is quite daunting. I'm 90 hours in. I'm in a new region. I just killed this my second or third main storyline boss. I'm feeling good about myself. Got my ass handed to me immediately by just a land boss. Not a great feeling. Not a great feeling. But that's okay. It's part of the experience. So I said, okay, I'm not strong enough. Let me go back. Let me get some more runes. The currency, right? It's the soul's equivalent. Let me get some more runes. Let me level up a bit. Let me upgrade my weapons. And you know what? There are certain regions where I explored a lot of, but I know I didn't explore all of it. So let me go around and have fun and explore because I found myself, I find myself getting tired of the game when after a while I've set out to do something because I looked up how to get a weapon or how to find this or how to do that. I don't mind doing that. That's part of the fun. But when I'm only focused on doing that, it takes away the fun. It takes away that exploration. It takes away the, oh, let me go over here. Because it sets in my mind, I want to go and do this now. And everything I'm doing, I'm rushing to get to. I think that's partially why I didn't enjoy for the for one region this city area because i was just trying to unlock the next region i wasn't actually soaking in and enjoying it to the fullest as i did for all the other regions 
So I dropped that in my mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to get there when I get there. I want to get there, but I'm going to get there when I get there. I just had to step back and remind myself that and say, all right, let me go some places I haven't been. Let me, let me just enjoy it again. Let me just kill enemies, find new areas, find new things. That's what I love about this game is the unique thing of seeing a new enemy type with new movesets and shit that could kill me and new ways to overcome that, those challenges as well as just this new region. Everything in this game from an art style, graphics are great, but everything from this art style is absolutely beautiful. There's not a single frame in this game where you don't want to stop and look. You just have to get to a point where you, you can't because it's just this game's too big to, to stop and look at everything. But good God. Looking at the horizon. This this game was made for people to take screenshots to make wallpapers. I've taken more screenshots and pictures of this game than I think I've taken of my dog. And I love my dog more than the game. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I'm teasing. But my point is that this game is absolutely stunning. And every frame is a painting and a beautiful one at that. And that makes it more enticing. And I never... I think about that sometimes, but I guess I don't think about that when I'm playing open-world games I don't love as much. Where I'm having fun, but I'm kind of pushing through. I'm like, this is beautiful. And it can look like a painting. Every time I'm in Elden Ring, I'm like, wow, this is fucking incredible. And that doesn't stop just at the landscapes. The art design of your armor, of the weapons, and of every piece of... Items, clothing, weaponry, but of course the enemies. Huh. First of all, they're fucking terrifying. As they should be. But then some of the creatures, the flora fauna, are standard. You'll see your deer, you'll see your boar, you'll see your mouses and such. And then, of course, you'll see more docile creatures. And then you'll see things that are designed from... <clears throat> from hell that are trying to kill you that would make Doom Guy shit his pants. And it still somehow keeps in theme this twisted wildlife fantasy but dark, right? Sometimes they're mechanical. Some big Iron Maiden looking coffin things that twirl with a bunch of axes and then they open up their chest and pull you in like a fucking you know xenomorph little mouth just suck you in the giant golem birds that look horrifying with axes and sit and shit hooded robed assassins of the like really scary masked wizards i mean the diversity the color palettes and it changes by region when you enter Khalid, which is red-painted skies and blood-soaked mountains, it feels like you're stepping into a painting of hell. And the enemies feel that way, too. Fucking dogs are bigger than uh, Clifford, and they've got heads that are bigger than anything, just than a fucking two-story building. And they're demonic. They don't have eyeballs. They're just, you know skeletal dogs but with fur it's very eerie and they're vicious by the way um just disproportionate contorted the enemy bosses it's it's gross it's grotesque it's brutal 
it paints a picture that, oh my god, this enemy had his hand chopped off, and now it's, uh, he sewed it with some other hand in a tree root or something. I don't know. Just think of the most fucked up shit melded into something that could actually kill you and then watch it try to kill you with its own unique moveset and weaponry. And that's the enemy ver- variety. And it goes from small to so large you honestly can't see their head to so small you don't realize they're in front of you and to everything in between. From in- and insects, centipedes, animals, everything. And it's all trying to kill you, by the way. And it's very proficient at doing so. And you, so you're always on your toes. There's never a safe moment unless you're at the round table hole, which is your hub. And it's good to have that. It's a good place. It's not much to do in there, but it is where you upgrade stuff and it is where you get important story stuff and some important story stuff and upgrades done. So it's, it's nice. It's good to know you can go there and fast travel instantly. Talking about this makes me really want to play it instead of just talking about it, but I know I want to talk about it and I've got the time to do so, so I am. But um, that's where this game shines. The, the two most uttered phrases in my playtime with Elden Ring and listening to my buddies when they're playing it and we're talking is this. Holy shit, what is that? This is so amazing. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, don't kill me. That's it. That's the most common thing you'll hear when you're playing Elden Ring, whether you're talking or whether someone else is, the exploration, the stumbling into, whoa, this is incredible, the awe. It's awe-inspiring. I could talk about this game for hours because I haven't been this intrigued, moved, and fucked by a video game. I might as well date it. Um, I haven't been this in a long time. Actually, you know, the last time, I love my video games. And I love all different kinds for different reasons. I'll always love Rainbow Six. I can't speak about Rainbow Six so poetically because Rainbow Six is more of a mechanically genius game. Rainbow Six is like chess, and it's really fucking good at it. And there's nothing quite like it. So I can speak on it like that, but I can't speak on it. It's got good art design, it's got good graphics, and it's really interesting and unique. Like I said, but I can't speak of it like, oh, it's like a painting coming to life. Because it's not designed that way. And that's my point. There's not many games that are purposely designed like that. Not even other From Software games. They went out of their way to make this visually as interesting as it is mechanically. And I think that's why it stands out. And I think what amazes most of us gamers is, A, the bugs are very few and far between. And when they are bugs, they're, they're not hindrance. Sometimes frame rate stutters, sometimes inconsistencies in certain areas, but it's not like pop-in, it's not like animations, it's not like game-breaking crashes and server issues. No, 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 it's none of that. plays pretty smoothly. And there, there's a lot. It's overwhelming. Because there's a lot to this game. When you think of open world games, often I I think, uh, in comparison, you think of a big, flat plain, open space. Where ranchers would be. You know, that kind of like, oh, just open space, far as the eye can see. Or maybe a couple buildings and an interesting item or object or activity to do. 
That's how I think of most standard AAA open world games nowadays. Not back then, not when they first were becoming popular, just nowadays. And there's a few that stand out, but that's what I think about. It's interesting for a few hours, and it's kind of got its intrigue and its charm, and it's maybe worth it. Elden Ring says it's an open world game. You might think, oh, open space, there's not going to be much to do. Like Halo Infinite. Or like a Ubisoft game. Halo Infinite's even better at it than Ubisoft. Um, but no. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's kind of like if you... It's kind of like if you look at this open field, it's got the same stuff. You walk past it, and you walk about 10 feet past it, and then there's a hill, and the drop-off in the hill then leads to a spiraling staircase. The star- spiraling staircase drops you off at one level, and it's this really pretty interior royal cap, capital kingdom castle sort of fantasy, and then you fall down a trap door, and you're in hell, and then you just teleport out, and you're in this uh, mining cave, and then you jump back out, and you're in these floating steps, that is in the middle of fucking nowhere, and then you fall and you're back on a beautiful lake, and then you see a dragon. That's what it's like playing Elden Ring. That's the difference. It's not just some open plain field with some interesting things to do, which it could have been. And I think that's what impresses me. This game could have fucked up in many areas. A, it could have sacrificed some of its intricacies and combat mechanics that... From software has perfected over the years through Dark Souls and Sekiro in exchange for allowing other things to take place. It could have been too dialogue or cinematic heavy, which isn't always a bad thing for certain games, but I don't think this game would have bode well for that. Um, it could have been where the world just wasn't interesting. It could have been where the enemies got caught, cut and copy and pasted, and even if they looked different, they acted the same. It could have been where when you got more powerful, the enemies all around you scaled up equal, which means you never feel like you're actually getting stronger. Could have done a lot of fuck-ups. From a very simple way that would have made this game not work. And when you look at how complex, how interwoven, and how massive this game is, all it takes is one fuck-up and this game would not have been a masterpiece. If the combat wasn't as visceral interesting pinpoint and um and well designed if it's combat was more like um i don't know some simpler combat if it was more like a battlefront 2 melee when we're using lightsabers in that game if anyone's played that game it's fun but it's not feasible for something like elden ring elden ring you've got your light slash you've got your special attack from your Ash of War and you got your heavy attack. It has different animations and movesets and you can parry and block and dodge roll. It's not too complicated, but the animations and the differentiation differentiation right? Did I say that? Anyway, with the, with the weapons, how it changes your flow, your movement, your weight is dramatic. And it, everything packs a punch when you hit. Unless you're hitting something and you're woefully underpowered, then you don't do dick. But then you know you're woefully underpowered. And they clap back equally. And you learn their moves. And you learn the telltale signs. And here's the other thing about this game. It's sometimes unbalanced, but as a whole it's balanced, and here's why. And it goes for every From Software game, and Sekiro points it out the best. Every enemy has a tell to what they're about to do. 
Sometimes you have to fight that enemy for an hour to finally understand exactly what patterns, what moves, and what their tells are. Sometimes you don't. But the point is, there's always some visual, audio, or both indication that shows what they could possibly do next. The only difference is when it's a minion doing it, a smaller enemy that you're just supposed to kill quickly, they do it when they're charging up their staff. Let's say one of them has a staff and they're winding back and about to stab you from a distance. They're always going to stab you from a distance. That's just, that's how they're going to do it. Once you learn that, you know, jump up or dodge roll and then hit them or whatever. And the more you play, you kind of have a general understanding that how long it takes them to recuperate from that movement. So their defenses are a little down so you can go in for the attack or whatever. But uh, an elite enemy has more movesets and is a little faster and hits a little harder. So it's a little more dynamic and a little harder. I'm oversimplifying it, but... A land boss or any kind of bosses that aren't a main story boss, they have way more movesets. Their movesets often scramble by the second stage of their health bar when you get them at half health. So they introduce entire new things that you have to be aware of. They kill you a lot quicker, and they have a lot more health on top of it. But they're still tell signs. And then... Here's the real kicker. The most difficult bosses, either because they're imbalanced or because they're main story bosses and they're supposed to kick the shit out of you just inherently at every point. Doesn't matter how strong you are, they're supposed to kick the shit out of you. They have one unique factor in them that changes them, separates them apart from anything other than even more health, can kill you even quicker, and even more movesets. So it's even more daunting. Beyond that, they have one unique thing that makes them stand apart from even other bosses who might be near as powerful or as intricate as them that aren't main story bosses. And that is, they change their tells in motion. So by tells, I mean the indicators, the natural indicators that gives you an idea of what's about to come. It's the only way you're able to play this game efficiently and be defensive and proactive in your attacks. If you're not paying attention, you're dead. <laughs> instantly so when you're looking and you're studying and you're waiting for them to wind up and charge and do a big slash hit and you know it's the big one that makes you bleed and kills you 75 percent of the time so you have to dodge into it or dodge to the left or jump up or whatever you've, you've played enough and you figured it out there is spontaneity thrown in there where they two things either their motion can switch on a dime so when you summon a, an, a spirit to help fight with you, to distract the boss, and they're going off on the boss, and the boss is hitting them. Boss goes in for a big wind-up. You're going in to get a slash, and the boss, mid-jump, can turn around on a dime and then hit you all of a sudden because it recognizes you and locks onto you. That's never fun because you think he's about to kill your spirit summon thing that's distracting him so you can go in for a critical blow. Nope. He turns around and just smacks the shit out of you, and you're all back to square one with him. So that's one thing. That, that certain bosses can do, but mostly I've only seen it in the main bosses. But certain other larger bosses that are more complex can also do it, but it's definitely more common in the main ones. And then the other thing is their tells when they wind up to slash or do that spinning move you so desperately hate or whatever. They will do that tell sign. They will do that wind up. 
your shoulders back, blade at their hip, hilt of the blade at their hip, charging back as if they're going to swing and slice down at an angle and do a spin and then kick you across the fucking room. Say they're winding up to do that, and you know this move. You've been dodging it for half the entire fight, and you know it's the one that always fucks you. Finally got it down pat. They will do that exact tell, and then they will stagger their movement. They will wait longer. The game is also learning to fight you smarter, so it will wait a little longer. So your muscle movement makes you, and your panic also, makes you dodge roll, and then they release it and hit you mid-dodge roll, which, of course, kills you. Or stuns you or hurts you real low or whatever. So they will stagger their, their, their speed all of a sudden, so they'll wind up, jump in air, and then take a very fucking long time to deliver that hit when you think it's going to be faster due to the momentum it took to get there, Right? They're basically very minute detail breaking the laws of physics as we know it from an observational standpoint, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it 9.8 meters per second squared? That's the rate of anything falling on Earth due to our gravitational pull. So we're very used to certain items with certain momentum and velocity falling at certain rates. Even though, by equation, they're falling at the same consistent rate. Um, right? So, if someone jumps in the air, you expect them to come down almost equal to the force they took to jump out, or more so due to the time in air and the acceleration factor. Right? It's just natural. You jump up, you come down a little faster, maybe. Or it at least peers to that to our eyes, because our eyes can only process data so quickly. This game doesn't give a fuck about any of that shit. Sure, they're the humans that made it, but they don't give a fuck. Someone jumps in the air really fast, and they don't float down like Mary Poppins. They still come down pretty quick, but they stop in midair for a half a second, and that's all it takes. And that half a second, you fuck up your moveset, and they come down with a full thunderous force of God dick-slapping you across the face. And then you break your controller, uninstall the game, Contemplate the meaning of life and then go right back to it because you know you fucked up, not them. That's how this game works. But see, in, Sek in Sekiro, the way it happened is they actually gave you an indicator. Which was more necessary for that game because there's no way you could go and say, Alright, fuck this, I'm gonna go handle something else, get stronger, come back. No, 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 no. You had to learn how to fight that thing. And it was only fair because everything was done frame by frame. People broke down the frame count, and if you dodge on frame three, when the, when the enemy's in frame four of its swing at a 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second, it's a different ball game, frame by frame. Elden Ring is still similar to that, but it's, not, it, it, it's still very precise. It's probably more precise. The, the only difference is it, it allows a little more time because there's different builds at play. In Sekiro, you are playing as one character. You don't get to customize. You only have one weapon, which I know sounds like a turnoff, but it's not. It actually keeps things very streamlined. Um, that's it. So everything's balanced around that, and it's balanced perfectly. This had to take a new approach because you're way more enemy variants, way more enemies in general. 
new regions and different play styles. You might be doing a mage build. You might be doing a strength build. You might be using an axe. You might be using a katana. You might be fast. You might be fat. You might be slow. You might be fast. I already said fast. Maybe speedy. <laughs> Whatever. There's more variety to the players as well. So they had to cover their bases. That's just the combat, by the way. I'm not even talking about the intricacies of the level design. The catacombs, the hidden walls, the passages. But that's the complexity of this game. And I think a lot of gamers are tired of the dumbed-down simplification. Hold your hand, yank you across the field. Here you go. Go here, fucker. Why build an open world if you just want me to go to this point and this point only and reward me for it? And then you allow me to explore the open world and there ain't dick in the open world unless I go to one of those points you so suggested. How is that an open world? That's just a... That's just 80% error in a 20% bag of chips. That's what a lot of open world games feels like. It feels like a Lay's bag of potato chips. You're like, okay, all right. You got enough chips in here. You open it, you're like, fuck. It's filler. It's air. It's empty. There's nothing there. Elden Ring. Elden Ring is 80-20. 80% content in terms of open world. And then 20% nothing. And the 20% nothing, by the way, isn't, isn't a downside. It's literally the roads and the things to get to point A to point B. You need that. Like, you don't want 100% of the open world to be filled with 100% things to do. You will never get but five meters to something. You need those breaks where you know you can trust that there's nothing left to explore. But if you're curious enough, you will scour every corner of this earth and in this in the lands between on, on Elden Ring and you will find something. I was saying nine times out of ten when I first did this because I didn't know enough. Six times to seven times, or not nine times, you uh, two times out of ten. It's very low at first. Now I've played this game, I'd say five to six times out of ten you will find something when you're just exploring an area you thought nothing was there because your map doesn't tell you where shit is other than stuff you've already seen. Just so you know where the fuck to go to if you have to go upgrade or do something. It's not to make life easier it's literally just for convenience sake because you're not expected to have the memory of a autistic elephant so um so that's my point it the map is a beautiful tool and it is not abused because first of all the map's really well designed sort of it does have layers and topography that you do not know about at first <laughs> until you fall off a cliff and you're like oh that's a mountain good to know but if you know how to read a topographical, topographical map, then you're in luck. I do know how to read one. However, it's not exactly designed as a topographical map. I mean, there are things that give an idea. But the whole idea of a lot of modern maps, if you're physically holding them, is they're literally raised on the map. So, like, the texture. So if you touched it, you could feel a bump in the paper. Sometimes, not all the time. Not all the time, but a lot of them. Um, or it clearly has a legend at the bottom that gives you an idea that this symbol means it's elevated. Or when it, we draw the mountains like this, that doesn't mean it means it's mountains or whatever, right? There's usually keys or indicators or legends or a, a texture so you know it's topographical. 
It's not one equal plane. Of course, it's a digital map in-game. You have no fucking idea. I wonder, though, if you buy the physical copy of a game, if you buy a physical, you get the actual map. That would be dope. And if it was had bumps and topographical and a little better of a legend, that would be worth it. That'd be kind of dope to have, actually. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Because um, the map is really well done. Because there's three ways of figuring something out on a map. You can go to... you can. There, it's all cloudy and misty. So you don't know dick on a map at all. Then you can travel through it. You can run through the entire map. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. If you do not want to f explore the first area where the game opens up, you don't have to. You can go somewhere else. I mean, good luck. You'll die so often you'll just be so frustrated. But you could try. Nothing to get, nothing really mechanically holding you back other than the difficulty spike. So you can go there, sure. And it lifts that mist. If you don't collect map fragments, that map doesn't get bright and fill in the actual intricacies of the region. It's just very beige, tan color. It's not the gray mist. You can still see some outlines of general things and have a little more specific of an idea of where to go. So it helps a lot. And it's what helps you get the map fragments because it shows some of the main roads and a little glow indicator that means that's where a map fragment is. And they're usually on the main roads. They don't want you to miss the map fragments. They're not making those like, they're not putting them in chests in the middle of a dungeon. No, they're putting them on the roads. They want you to find them. They do not want you to miss those because you need to have your map pieced together by the end of the game or by further into the game. So, that's the intricacies of that. So, with all that in mind, this game is, hopefully I've, I've addressed the complexity, some of the fun, and the intrigue. In this next segment, I'm going to talk about a little bit of the difficulty. I'm not going to spoil too much, and I'm going to talk about my personal experience, and then wrap this up. So Elden Ring is dense as as much as it is expansive in everything it does, from weapons to upgrades to leveling to magic to to the map design to the hidden layers. I forgot to mention in the last segment in the map design as well. Just so you know, there are as entire worlds, regions, lands underground. And I don't mean regular caves, dungeons, and, and smaller spaces a little underground. I mean entire regions that you need map fragments for, much like regions above ground that are completely underground that are as big as some of the ones above ground. So even if you think you've covered everything above ground, go underground. <laughs> there is still some stuff there, and it's really cool. I'm surprised there's not a third level. I'm surprised that there's not underground, underground, or above ground, above ground heavens. Hell, they might add that in DLC. I don't know. I'm kidding. There's enough to this game that will keep you... You find something new every time you do this, play this game. I went back to a region I've already went through, and I found an entire... I found an elevator that took an entire minute to get down through, and led to an entire underground region that I'm now exploring. Super exciting. That's the fun of the game to me sometimes. You stumble into something new and you figure something out and you get something new for it. But the difficulty, I mentioned it before. It will kick the shit out of you and you learn to leave and you learn to try again. 
it is a complex game. You can play as different builds. You can upgrade different things. You can prioritize different aspects of the game. It significantly gets harder um, in some ways as you go along, but it also gets easier. So it balances itself out to some extent. So my personal experience with this game, as you can tell, 90 hours in, in the first month, has been nothing short but phenomenal. There has been only about a three hour out of that 90 hour stretch where I genuinely was not having fun in the game. And it wasn't because I was getting my ass kicked. Now, people are built different to each their own. This game is challenging. And even for your ability to leave and come back, it's still very frustrating, especially when you lose a lot of runes on you, especially when you die the 500th time to an enemy and it's three hours in and you're like, God damn it, just, you know. Me, for me, it's reminding my stubborn ass to leave and explore because I do really enjoy that. Get a little more powerful, come back, whoop their ass with a clearer set of mind and new happiness. And, and that's what I love about the game. The only time I was upset was about two to three hours where I was just genuinely getting turned around in the upper royal capital city where you fight um, the first Elden Ring. Elden Ring, the first Elden Lord, excuse me. That region, right before you get to the Snowtop Giants, for anyone who knows, that city, very beautiful. The streets are unique. It's kind of the only main, like, capital city you see. The enemies are cool. It's all very good, well-made. No problems with it in its design. I just did not understand the map. It doesn't matter how long I was in there for. It, it took me so fucking long. I felt like an idiot. So the other thing about this game is do not hesitate to look stuff up. If you don't, you're going to get lost at some point, And it's not going to be fun anymore. This game is designed to be difficult. It's designed not to really hold your hand. It's just giving you the basic tools and mechanics, letting you figure it out, and that's part of the fun. But other people who have more time, who are smarter than you, and who have played the game longer, have figured out some stuff for you. Use that. It's the power of the internet. If you're stuck on a boss and you genuinely have done everything you know how to do, look it up. There might be an entire moveset or a different thing. What I do love about boss fights that are kicking the shit out of me is I try new things. I try new weapons. I try weapon combos. Oh, maybe I use a magic wand in my left hand and this and that. Or a staff. Or maybe I try my, my steed and do a steed attack or whatever. I like to try it out. Try it out. And, but sometimes when it's so broken, I'm like, how the fuck do I do this? Like the draconian sentinel. I, I gave up after four hours. I, I did my damnedest. I upgraded myself. I came back. I was doing good progress. I got him to half health, but... I got him a quarter health, but I'm just like, I don't I don't know how to dodge this lightning shit. I can dodge it every once in a while, but I, there's no pattern. I looked it up. Everyone else had the issue. He's genuinely unbalanced and broken, so it wasn't just me. And someone said, try this, because because he's broken, you can actually try these two or three methods, and it might help. And it did. If I looked that up an hour and a half sooner, I would have saved an hour and a half fighting him. Do I regret it? Not really. I still learned. I got better for it. You also learn to play better and smarter every time you're playing. That's the other thing. You learn how to fight faster, smarter. You learn how to use your weapons that you prefer. You learn how to switch it up. I like katanas. I'm a samurai build. I'm a melee build. Sekiro is one of my favorite games. 
I'm probably going to stay in that realm. I like the faster but harder hitting blades. I try other weapons any chance I get. And I have fun with them. And I got a couple others in rotation. But I like my katanas. But it's up to you. Whatever weapons you like. However you want to build. However you want to play. I Shout out to Young Energy. Great lyricist. Great rapper. Check out his music. Official Young Energy on Instagram. Young Energy on Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. A good friend of mine and a dope MC. He got the game recently. And he bought, he fought the first main boss. What's his name? Godric? He fought the first main boss at level 11. I love him. He's one of the coolest guys I know. He can be an idiot, though. I think it's safe to say that. I think he'll laugh at me for saying that. But he can be an idiot. I do love him, though. But man, 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 he's stupid sometimes. Love him like a brother. But God, sometimes I want to pop him in the nose. Because I'm like, how stupid are you, dude? He doesn't listen to my advice. I said, hey, don't do that. I said, if you want to fight him early, fine. Not level 11 early. Go level up 9, 10 times. Be level 21. That'll make a huge difference. It'll actually make it fight doable. Oh, no, he didn't listen to me. He fought that motherfucker for two, <laughs> for two whole days. I, I don't know how many hours, but I'm guessing above five hours of total playtime against one boss because he's too stubborn to go level up. He did it. Kudos to him. Shout out and congrats to him for pulling that shit off, killing the first main boss at level 11. I haven't heard of anyone doing that. Because most people are smarter than him. <laughs> but also, that takes a lot of skill and determination. So if you are ever curious of if there's a rapper who has enough determination, Young Energy's your guy. That motherfucker will stick through it. Shout out to Seize209, S-E-I-Z 209. Check him out on Instagram too. His music is also fucking fire. One of the best lyricists I've ever met in my life. He got the game recently off of my request and begging. And I've been giving him tips and advice. It's not that he doesn't listen. He's a great listener. He'll forget that I told him stuff and I'll just have to repeat it or resend it. That's fine. It happens. Get overwhelmed in the game. Life's going on. Shit happens. But, um, he has progressed through the game rapidly. And he has figured shit out very quickly. I can't play with him, unfortunately, because we're on different consoles. I'm on PC, he's on Xbox. It's not cross-play, and it's not fully co-op, so it wouldn't even be worth it if it was. I've already complained about that before. But from hearing him, from hearing how he understands the game, he's not nearly as far as I am in terms of hours and in terms of progress, right? He hasn't had it as long as I've had I've had it for a month. He's had it for about two weeks, so I have two weeks on him. But beyond that... He is getting smarter about it every day he plays it. I can hear him figure shit out faster and faster and overcome challenges that he used to think and things that he used to not know. And the thing is, for both Young Energy and C's, shout out to both of them. Go check out their music. Go support them any way you can. For both of them, they've never played a Souls game. And that's a different learning barrier. Because the control schemes are different. Now, if you played Jedi Fallen Order, you might be familiar, but it's different control schemes, different style. 
I've played many From Software games. I knew what I was stepping into. I know the general flow and style. That put me ahead of them by a long shot. That made me blaze through this much faster and easier to the level I'm at now. Doesn't mean it's any easier in difficulty, just my comprehension. This game is teaching them so much because it's From Software's magnum opus. It's a culmination of their best things put together as one. Any From Software title from this point on, if anyone's sunk enough time in Elden Ring, they're good. And I pray to God From Software never drops this formula because they are the best at it. They created the Soulsborne genre, this third-person action, melee-oriented with range abilities, extremely difficult bosses, extremely difficult in every way. Anytime someone mentions a Soulsborne game, they talk about the death and the difficulty and the complexity and the vagueness of the story. But the art design, the combat, everything is top-notch, handcrafted with love and compassion and is designed to make you play and rewards you with your ability to get better at the game naturally and rewards you by giving stuff that helps you have more fun and that helps you get more powerful in-game as well. That's the thing about Sekiro that stands apart from Elden Ring, and Elden Ring will never be able to do that. what Sekiro does. Sekiro actually makes you a better player. In a lot of other video games, too. Because that video game is so damn hard, and it tests your reaction, your thought processes, and your management skills in rapid succession. It also doesn't hold your hand. And it also doesn't allow you to upgrade quickly. And it also doesn't allow you to go around and try something else. Sekiro is not a game for people to start in. If they're new to this kind of series. Elden Ring is. It's really probably the best version to do so. Um, Sekiro is not. Sekiro is so difficult, it made Dark Souls players... Who are used to the franchise want to kill themselves. Because. There's no stamina counter. Which I know sounds unbalanced. But it's not when you get in that game. But there's also. No dodge roll. They brought it back in Elden Ring. Thank God. But there's no dodge roll in Sekiro. that you can spam. I think there might be one, but it's not very it's not usable. It's not like it's instant and it protects you for a few frames. You could dash out of the way, so you still have a maneuver to kind of dash out of the way. It's not as far and it doesn't let you duck and roll like a dodge roll does. So it's not nearly as efficient, but it's good enough. They did add jumping. They did add movement and fluidity in new ways. They added a grapple hook, which was dope as shit, and allowed you to traverse in new ways. There was no steed or anything, but they let you grapple hook on certain items that gave you the prompt. Definitely really fun mechanic. Wish they brought that back to Elden Ring, now I think about it. But the game made you get better because you had to. You didn't have many options. You could upgrade a little bit, but that didn't change too much. You couldn't even up you couldn't upgrade the damage on your sword. You upgrade some of the skills and combos you had. And you got better because the game is really focused on aggressive, defensive, not evasive play. So blocking and parrying is the most important mechanic to learn in Sekiro. And it is 
framed timing. And by that, I mean on the frame that they're going in for the kill, you have to match with your block time to parry it perfectly or to at least block it so you don't get fucked. Sure, you could dash and dodge, and it was still very viable. You can combine those. But I got so good with my katana, I could dash, dodge, jump, parry, block, slash, heavy hit, grapple out of the way. I got really good at the game really quickly. Well, over the course of the game. It forced you to get better because it punished you every time you missed it. And, and you, if you miss it by just a millisecond of pressing your button, it was over. But the more you played it, the more you got used to it, the more it became rote, the better you got at it. I was able to parry with my eyes closed just from the sound effects. That's why they had the kind of red signifier when certain enemies were doing certain heavy attacks. Because often you had multiple enemies, and often it was so hard to see their tells that they had to do that as a signifier because everything was split-timing decision, more so than Elden Ring. If they didn't have that, the game would have been unbalanced as shit and no one would have played it. So, that's the difference. Force you to get good. This game will also force you to get good, but it allows a lot more freedom and versatility in how you do so. And it allows you to also, sometimes if you're just not good enough, it allows you to get a little stronger or have some sort of an assistance with the ashes or summoning, just if you need to. So it's their most accessible game, but not their easiest game. In fact, one of their most difficult games. And they walk a fine line and blend it all together beautifully. So I have played a lot of this game. And I am only, I have an Elden Ring companion that allows me to see. I don't use it to like look at, oh, what's next? What are my, what region? No, no, no. I want to find stuff out on my own. That's only for when I'm really looking for something specific that I've already looked up or just tracking how many bosses I've killed. Because I'm just kind of curious. I don't really care. It's not, I'm not going to be like, oh, I did this many bosses. But there's like 160 bosses total. From land to main to, to story to whatever different variations of such all the bosses i've killed and it's a lot out of 90 hours and two or three of them being main story bosses and then some being great enemy bosses and then some of them being land bosses and some of them being small mini bosses smattering from each i'm 11 percent through the game and i'm 90 hours in then again i do use a lot of time exploring and i do some rune farming but i enjoy that so this game really encourages to play how you want to play, explore how you want to explore, kill how you want to kill, get better, and build the character you want. It's accessible to many more people. The art designs out of this world, the graphics are great. The gameplay mechanics are at its top notch. Voice acting is great. Sound design and landscape and music is great. This is truly a cinematic epic and I guarantee you people will keep talking about this game for the next decade. We keep talking about Elden Ring... I'm sorry, Elder Scrolls. See, that's going to get confusing quickly. We keep talking about Elder Scrolls and specifically Skyrim. That game came out in 2011. And we use that as a benchmark. Elden Ring, in my personal opinion, is far better. Now, to be fair, I've always liked From Software games way more than Bethesda games. So, I am biased. I just like... Their gameplay mechanics, and I like that they cut down on the bullshit and they just let you get in the action. It's more fluid, it's more responsive, it's more punishing, but it's more fun for me. I've never had played a From Software game I dislike. I want to play Bloodborne. I don't have PlayStation. Anyway, so this game is an incredible game. 
Anyone interested, intrigued, scared, or excited should go try it and play it out. I'm Twitch streaming it on and off. Probably Twitch stream more of it right now, actually. So, I just want to thank everybody who's been supportive. And that's my more up-to-date 90 hours in instead of, like, 15, 20 hours in. Maybe it was a little more over the course of those few days. I really binged it one night. So I know it jumped in between that initial inter- the initial review. But this review still holds true. Everything I said in the beginning still holds true. And it's even better as you get further in. And I'm not even scratching the surface, which is a little overwhelming. But I'm excited because I want to try some of these weapons. I want to try some of these builds. I'm excited to see what more this game has to offer. And the fact that it's an open world and it's keeping my attention throughout is incredible. Now, my attention will different will get split very soon as this new MLB The Show 22 comes out. That game, by the way, is the Dark Souls of fucking sports games. Just my luck. If anyone is a fan of baseball, definitely play MLB The Show. If you have Xbox or PC, get it on Game Pass. It's worth it. It's an incredibly good game. I have an initial review on that, initial thoughts of MLB The Show 21. By me comparing it to Dark Souls in as a sports game, I stand firmly by that. It's all about timing. It's about precision when you're batting and depending on your controls for pitching. It is accessible, but it is actually very challenging. It's very simulator-like, but it's got great graphics, great gameplay, challenging but fun. And for baseball enthusiasts, you could really stack your team to the way you dream. It's coming on Game Pass. Of course, I'm going to play it. I'm a baseball fan, and I loved it. The MLB show 21. I'm excited to see what they do at 22. So I'll be playing that kind of as relaxation, even though that game actually can frustrate me more than Elden Ring or or Sekiro. But we'll see. Anyway, I hope you all have a good one. I appreciate the love and support. Until next time.